lords, my ladies, and everybody else here not sitting on a cushion. Well, we have a rather curious subject this morning. To study our heritage from the past is not simply a waste of time, because most of that heritage is still with us. I think it's, it's important to live life with a knowledge of its mystery and of your own mystery. And it gives life a, a new zest, a new balance, a new harmony to do this. The human story is much more complicated and much more mysterious than we've been taught. We need to wake up as a human species. We need to become our own leaders. This is, the, in my view, the next step forward. When people find out what it is that's ticking in them, they get straightened out. We can win the fight, but we can win a little every day. And every day when we make the smallest victory, there will be a little more of happiness and a little less of pain. Every day, one step forward, even a small decision, will strengthen us for another one tomorrow. And gradually, these right decisions will bring us enlightenment and companionship in the spiritual adventure of existence. Welcome to Wayfinder, everybody. Adam here in the studio. Um, I've got my man Devin out on the Big Island in Hawaii. Maui. Maui. There you go. Devin, how yeah. you doing, man? Oh, feeling really alive today. Had a beautiful morning flow this morning, getting my body activated and feeling the blood pumping, feeling that life force moving through my body, the sun shining. We had a big storm here yesterday, so grateful to see the storm pass and to see the light right now. That's awesome, man. So Devin Fredrickson, tell us a little bit about yourself uh, for any of the listeners and audience who don't know who you are. You and I were connected um, through a friend of ours uh, who's uh, also an affiliate, a colleague of yours at Sacred Sons. Uh, and mm -hmm. uh, you guys do incredible work out there. And um, I can't ever do enough, I feel like, to talk about Sacred Sons and all the important work that you guys do with masculine alchemy and restoring the father and the king archetype uh, to our men. So, man, tell us a little bit about uh, where, where you are, what you, what you come from and what is, uh, what makes you tick. Thank you, brother. And just thanks for the opportunity. Thanks for providing a platform like you shared with me when we connected at a space to share and highlight others who you think are doing great stuff in the world. I'm honored to, to be in that consideration. So thank you, bro. Yeah, my pleasure, man. Thank you for doing what you do. Oh yeah. Yeah. So a little bit about myself. I'm born and raised on the Island of Maui carry a deep connection and love and adoration and admiration for the earth and this land. Aina is the Hawaiian word for the land. And so I am an Aina protector, a steward of the earth. I am a men's embodiment coach. I'm a private ecstatic chef. I am a permaculture consultant and regenerative agriculturalist. And ultimately underneath it all, a community builder. Because to me, community is where we find our strength because that's how we get through things. And as it's so potent in these times right now, amongst the social isolation and everything, I believe it's so critical that we have the systems of support externally, internally, with the earth, with everything around us, because that's what's going to get us through this, regardless of how much distancing we do. And so I, I, I do this work. I help men reconnect to their sexual sovereignty and live a life of power, passion, purpose, and play. 
I cook food and help nourish people and help them reconnect to their bodies and the earth. And I help set up permaculture, regenerative agriculture, food systems, and help build food sovereignty in communities all for the future, all for the acknowledgement of our ancestors who helped us get here, who helped us actually arrive at this space and to steward the future. I have a nephew. I would love to also help steward and bring forth children into this world. And to me, I just, I'm so grateful for this gift of life that I have the opportunity to live. And at the root of that, I, I totally recognize that there are star nations and different planets and places where we all come from. And also we're all here. We all have chosen to manifest on this earth at this time, whatever your belief system may be. If we just look at what is and what's real is we're all here and wherever that may exist, I'm here to honor that which gives to us. And to me, the earth provides me the air to breathe, the water to drink, the food to experience, the sensational and sensual experience of being in a body and experience on that stuff. And to me, my body is the earth, just as all of our bodies are this temple. And so that's that's a little quick spiel about myself. Man, I love it. That's such a beautiful thing. And I, I love you guys out in Hawaii. You have such a, a beautiful and rich culture and language, um, you know, around just the vernacular that you use. I um, So there's uh, there's an incredible, beautiful human and artist named Paul Isaac. Um, oh, I, yeah. I, I guess you might be familiar with Paul being from Hawaii. He's actually a good friend of mine. Paul's a good friend of yours, huh? Yeah, Paul Isaac. That's that's awesome. Well, I, I got to spend um, uh, a weekend with him uh, in Connecticut last August. I and, love it. And uh, I love Paul. I've, I've been following his music for a long time, and uh, he played a show with a friend of ours, Will Evans, up in Connecticut. Um, and oh, nice. I know Will, too. Okay, yeah, yeah. So Will, actually, I'm wearing a Will Evans shirt right now. <laughs> I saw that. Yeah, I saw the shirt. I was like, yeah, representing Will. Yeah, man. Um, we, we've got a crazy story behind how we met Will and became friends with him. And, um, we, we got an Airbnb cabin up in Connecticut to go visit some friends of ours. And uh, turns out the owners of this cabin were just amazing, beautiful, incredible people. And we became, they became family immediately. And um, we spent uh, we spent a week in this cabin, this beautiful like uh, Bob Ross painting looking cabin. And um, a week later, we get back to Dallas, and we're, we had tickets to go see Trevor Hall. And uh, so we go see Trevor Hall, and uh, the guy that opens for him is like this guy named Will Evans, and we'd never heard of him before. <clears throat> and he came out and blew everybody away. It was just the most incredible musician I've ever seen. And yeah. uh, talking to him afterward he went and got on my instagram page and he saw pictures of the cabin up in connecticut and he was like dude did you get this from a guy named tim on airbnb and i was like yeah and he was like dude that's my buddy tim and he's from the next town over like five minutes away this little bitty town in rhode island called westerly and uh, -huh. uh we were staying in north stonington connecticut so it turns out will was in that cabin the day before my girlfriend and i stayed there and he was shooting his music video for rise so if you go watch Will Evans' music video, Rise, that whole yep. video was essentially shot the day before my girlfriend and I got to that cabin, mm -hmm. and then a week later come back to Dallas and see Will Evans for the first time and meet him. So crazy synchronicities there, uh, and we ended up going back up to Connecticut. We've been up there, I think, five times since then in the last 14 months. We just keep going back every couple months because we just love everybody up there. So um, Will brought my youngest son up on stage with him to sing at the last show. Um, that was an incredible experience. So anyway, we, 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 we love Will, we love Paul, we love Trevor and those guys, and we went up to 
see Will and Paul perform at that cabin, um, uh, my buddy Tim's cabin, Tim and Linda's cabin, uh, back in August, and we got to spend um, the weekend with with Paul, who is, uh, as, as you know, as one of his friends. I mean, obviously you know him a lot better than I do, but what a what a sacred spirit that guy is, and just to soak up all of that, he's just got such an abundance of spirit and heart to pass around. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. um, you know, growing up the way that I did out in the country on a farm, I had a, a very close relationship with nature. Um, but yeah. it was, uh, you know, a lot of running around barefoot and jumping on horses, you know, with no saddle and, uh, you know, playing with critters and animals and rescuing snakes and frogs and, you know, fish and all that stuff. Um, but it's a different kind of relationship. Uh, you know, growing up in that sort of, of natural environment versus growing up in, um, in with, a, with a relationship with Ina. And so, you know, when we talked with Paul, uh, the, the, the two words or the three words that I brought back with me from spending time with that beautiful Hawaiian man uh, were I, the Ina, uh, the land that feeds, as uh, Paul said it, and uh, the concept of mahalo, which to me means more than thank you. Um, yeah. and, uh, and, um, uh, Ohana, which became a, an mm-hmm. incredibly powerful concept to me. So it's a beautiful thing to have you on the hook right now and to be able to talk to you about this stuff, especially being a friend of Paul's because, um, he made an impact on me when I first discovered his music, uh, three and a half, four years ago, but then meeting him and spending time with him and, and, and one-on-one and getting to share space and, uh, you know, just, um, you know, be a part of that with him it made a huge impact on my life. So, you know, for anyone out there to, you know, we, I, I always talk about language and the limitations of language and the blessings of language. And in, in the English um, language, we, we have, we have a lot of beautiful terms, but we, we also lack a lot of beautiful terms that, you know, you guys have in other places and other cultures. And so, you know, what, when you talk about be, having a relationship with the Aina, um, and uh, when you talk about community on Ohana and things like that, what are the role, what are the connections between Ohana, permaculture, the Aina, uh, and then the healthy whole human being and the healthy whole man? How, what, how do those things all figure together for you? I know it's a big question. Whew. <laughs> Just into that because it's, it makes, it's really emotional. That's a really emotional question for me. Oh... To me, I believe a large part of being a man, specifically that aspect of the question, is recognizing that we have a larger responsibility. We step into a role of responsibility to caring for our ohana, caring for our family, for our community. And the aina is a part of that. To me, like Mitakwiasin, the the concept, all my relations. To me, ohana doesn't necessarily have that same, like, connotation of Matakuyasin, but also that's how I see Ohana. I see Ohana as all those parts of our relations. And for the Hawaiians, they see the Aina as a living, breathing entity. It's right. not just emotionless. It's not energeticless. It's alive. It's something that we're connecting with. Vai is also water. Water is life, mini wichoni. In Hawaiian, it means ola ikavai, means water is life. And to, to see all of these parts that, like I was saying, the earth that sustains us, this is, this is our mother. This is more than just our lover. It's also our lover. Like we have these deep, intricate connections and to, to really show up in that loving space. And 
I believe permaculture is just the modern word for the indigenous peoples of Earth all around of their connection and their love and their respect for the Earth. And the Hawaiians lived on Maui without importing any food. They grew all of their food here. They harvested it. They cared for the land. And there were more, more than likely most people living in the Hawaiian times than there are now on Maui, and they didn't import anything. They, they may have traded a little bit here and there, but for the most part, they were growing their food. They were caring for the oceans and the reefs, and they knew how they knew to not take too much. And that's why they had the fish pond, so that way they would construct these walls where the fish could swim in and out of the grates that they would create. But once those fish got bigger by staying in those ponds and the Hawaiians would feed them, they couldn't swim out. So when, the, when they're young, they allowed them to move in and out. But if they stayed to eat the food that the Hawaiians would give to them, they saw that as a reciprocal relationship of, mm -hmm. hey, we're here to give to you. We're not taking every single fish because we're giving them the opportunity to come and go. And the concept of ahupua'a, did you hear that when you were no. talking with Paul? No. -uh. So ahupua'a is a management system that go, it's called from Mauka to Makai. And Makai is oceanside and Mauka is mountainside. So from the top of the mountain to about 30 yards in the ocean was their area of management. And so everyone in the Ahupua'a, everyone in that management zone was in communication. Everyone was talking about what the person at the top of the mountain is dealing with versus the person at the bottom at the ocean and everyone in between. I and they had that. a system of communication. They they recognized that if the person at the bottom took too much, that would all go all the way upstream and affect the person at the top. And if the person at the top took everything, everyone downstream would be affected. So it's not just a top-down, it's also a bottom-up approach. It's the recognition that it goes both ways, that everything's connected. And so for me, permaculture, ohana, aina, all of these are simple concepts or relationships that everyone is actively relating with and no matter who you are or where you are in the world if you live in a city you still are on land mm -hmm. if even if there's concrete on top of the soil you're still there and there's ways to re-engage and to connect with it all and to me like I said, as a man, I see it as my responsibility to care for this earth, to protect the resources that provide for the men, the women, the children, and all the other relationships too. The Hawaiians knew that if they took too much of certain resources, the birds might not have, have enough, or the fish in the sea or different aspects might not have enough. And so there's a deep relationship with listening, and that's ultimately the way that I see it, is I'm here to listen to the aina. I'm here to listen to the vai, the land, the water. I'm here to listen to the amakua, the different spirit animals or the totems of different families and to just have an intricate, intimate relationship with all aspects of life. That's beautiful, man. It's such a it's such a beautiful uh, way of looking at things, you know, the, the, the tribal and indigenous and first people um, cultures all around the world are, are so inspiring. And when you know growing up again out in uh out in the hills and the, the well, not so much the hills as the trees and all that um the fields and trees where i did um you know moving into the city later in life you just see a completely different pace a, a whole different 
energy, a whole different system of thought, a whole different approach to life in that in yeah. that uh, in that sort of culture. Um, and it's been it's been a beautiful thing as a father to bring my boys, you know, in, into the into mm-hmm. the country. We live back in mm-hmm. the, in the country now, and um, you know, for most of their life, we lived in the suburbs. And so, moving back out into the country, they're like, "Oh man, this is so cool!" You know, there's there's trees, there's room for animals, and we have animals. And you know, there's uh, it's just a whole different pace that even kids recognize. So, what kind of an impact do you feel like that has on 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 men? Um, to to be connected with the earth and, and to to have a relationship with the Aina versus not um, because something for, you know I know you're uh, for the listeners you're a friend of Stefanos Stefandos um, yeah you guys are friends and colleagues at Sacred Sons and Stefanos is a is a great guy and we had an awesome conversation and one of the things he said that that really stuck out to me that I loved was um, completely resonant with what you're saying is that um, you know as as a whole as a whole man. Uh, a, a properly balanced, full and complete man. Our job is to be the protector, uh, first and foremost, of of Big Mama of of the Earth, because she yeah. is she is our mother. She is the the lover, um, and we're here to protect the feminine. And there is no higher embodiment of the of of the feminine of the mother uh, in our life than, than than Mother Earth. And that was such a cool thing to me was to to to. And I, I've thought about it and, and meditated on that ever since that that conversation we had uh, of. First and foremost, seeing myself as a protector of the earth and then seeing how that attitude and that outlook, when I embody that every single day, when I wake up and I walk out onto my back porch and I look at my all my property, all my land and my animals and my birds are over here pecking the ground and my, my pond is out there and, you know, I'm just going, this is this is mine to take care of. This is, you know, mine to, to leave it better than I found it. And that's something that we talk about with our kids and we camp all the time and we take road trips and stuff. And it's leave it better than you found it. You know, leave the campsite better than you found it. Leave the side of the mountain better than you found it. The trail, leave this world better than you found it. And so when I embody that understanding of, of taking care of the Aina uh, and protecting the feminine in the earthly sense, I see that that, uh, that absolutely uh, spills over into my relationship with my partner, with my mother, with my sister, and all of that. What do you think of that whenever you're, you're looking at, at the, the modern Western civilization where uh, men have become so deconditioned uh, from a relationship with the, with the great mother? Um, what, what is the impact of that? What, do you, and what, are, what are the benefits of, of going the other direction, and how do you see all those relationships working? That's such a, a great question. And this is intricately tied to what I do in my professional coaching practice and mentoring practice with men is I help men reconnect to their sexual life force, the creative life force that is inside of all of us, because we all come from the act of sexual creation. And sexual energy doesn't just mean sex. It just means that creative energy. And I believe that we see our society where it is today because of the disconnection that we have with our sexual energy and the oppression of that sexual energy. And I believe that's why a lot of corporations that are led by men look at the earth as a resource, as something to take from, as something to just get a piece of or just satisfy their own desire. And I see that relationship with women. I see men wanting to just have that relationship with women. And I'm not excluding women from this. I see it both ways. 
And I just I particularly see it amongst men because there seems to be this cultural projection that men are just horny dogs and they want to have sex and they just want to get off. And that's all that men want. That's all that men think about. And I think that men are stuck in that story and stuck in that place because they don't have that connection to the earth. And it's not that it's not there. It's just not activated. It's not alive. It's not engaged because every, we are in relationship with everything. Yeah. And if we're, if we say that we don't have a relationship with the earth, that's our relationship that we can never escape relationship because for us to exist, we need everything else to exist. And the benefit that I see a man stepping into and re-engaging his relationship with the earth is a deeper level of connection, a deeper level of appreciation and reverence for the earth. And then that turns towards women and that turns towards their mothers, their sisters, their aunts, their grandmothers, the fellow women in their circles, in their communities. And that's a deep part of my mission is to help men reconnect to their sexual sovereignty so that way we can shift our relationship with the earth. That's a beautiful thing, man. It really is. I, I think that uh, everyone should reconnect with the earth. And I know like it, it's really easy to sort of dismiss that in, in the modern times to just say, oh, like, yeah, there's this tree hugging hippie over here telling me to get uh, to get out into nature and stuff. But, you know, it, it, it has a massive impact on you, whether you're a man or a woman or, a, or, or your, your kids, you know, so whether you have little boys yeah. or little girls. Um, to, uh, to, to take your kids outside, particularly, you know, I, I, I tend to speak a lot from the place of a father. That's sort of, you know, what I see my role first and foremost is that of a father, um, which makes me also a partner and a steward of, of Mother Earth, right? Yeah. Um, and that's sort of my role here in, in my ohana, um, the ohana of the human race, I guess. Um, but to, to, to be a father and to take your kids out into the woods and show them, you know, how to, how to, how to meditate next to a river, you know, and then to see their little brains light up and they go, holy crap, like this is, I never felt like this before. I'm like, yeah, I know, yeah. because, you know, it's, it's, uh, we, we live in this electronic world where there's, there's just tablets and video games. They have tablets at school now. Um, yeah. and they don't let the kids go outside as much. Uh, I think my, my nine-year-old was telling me the other day that they do like 30 minutes of outside time per day i think an hour of art per week or something like that but they're on tablets in their classroom working their problems and, and their 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 work and stuff like that so it's it's like it's like the upside down world man it's like it's completely unnaturalized and it's gone the other direction and so when you get let's just talk about let's talk about sexual energy for a minute because this is kind of the yeah. natural course of this conversation is that we have uh, young boys who are um, uh, being conditioned to sit on electronic devices, right? Yep. Doing this all day long. And then you have access at puberty. You've got access to every pornographic fantasy imaginable. And you have yep. young men who are, who are not getting proper exercise. They're not being yep. taught about core strength and the kundalini. They're mm -hmm. not being taught anything about sexual energy. Uh, in fact, it's something that's extremely taboo on one hand, but it's also extremely accessible on the other. Yeah. And it's like there is there's there's no other way that this could go except wrong, <laughs> you know. I, I, um, and then with with our with our young women, it's 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 um, sort of the, the exact same in the inverse. It's, uh, it, you know, there's <laughs> you can you could go that route and be a you could be a webcam model now with by downloading an app 
and sinking yeah. your bank account to it in about 30 seconds. Um, and here you have a bunch of these imbalanced, um, unwhole young men who are, you know, willing to just soak that right up, right? It's just, it's, it's everything, yeah. everything is working in reverse. So with, with sexual energy for me, that was a, a thing I discovered on my own as being a, a really a sacred and fundamental part of who we are. And that was just through Kundalini practice, mostly mm. it was really what kind of blew my mind. Um, a, an accidental Kundalini activation. You can imagine how shocking that was. <laughs> yeah. So um, do you do you work specifically with Kundalini uh, exercise much or, or, or do you d use a different sort of um, uh, practice and exercise to to work with uh, sexual energy within the body? And I know that you have obviously practices outside of bodily, um, the, you know, the bodily aspects of sexual practice, too. Yeah. I, I work with Kundalini exercises and yoga i work with taoist cultivation practices and i work with tantric practices i also have learned a lot through my own personal experience of engaging in these different practices mm -hmm. of ways which parts of my body have unlocked from from engaging and living this lifestyle because for me it's become a lifestyle it's right. not just something that i talk about it's something that i live because like i said the, the sexual energy is the creative life force that's in all of us. It's moving through every one of you who's listening right now, in all of your friends and family, wherever they are in the world. It's just constantly acting. And the, the aspect of creation is always going on. Things are being birthed and dying, and it's just always creating, whether it's creating fertility for new life or it's creating new life to give to death. All these aspects just constantly circulate. And... My my experience has really brought me to a place of deep embodiment to really just live that because to me how I show up in one situation is how I show up in every situation. Yeah, that's so it. So carrying, carrying the awareness that I've cultivated in my practice with my sexual energy benefits me in working out and my fitness and my vitality. And it benefits me in my business and my offering and contribution back to life and it benefits me in my connection with the earth and my emotional and feeling sensual connection to my body, sensual being the senses, mm -hmm. not so much related to actual like sexual intimacy. And I think a lot of people confuse that Yeah, because sensual is just our senses and it's, that's being at home in the body. And, and so it's been a really powerful journey for me and it's really it led me back to the earth. My my sexual cultivation practices has led me back to the earth. Everything has continuously led me back to being here in this body, in earth, on earth, living and experiencing life through this body. That's it. Um, I've got a buddy named Aaron Alexander. He uh, we did a podcast together. He's um, he's a movement guru. It's really what he does. He's like a physical specimen. He's like six two, two twenty. And he's just this beautiful specimen of a man, right? So he does yeah. yoga and he does crazy core shit and, you know, handstands on top of a tractor yeah. tire and, you know, that kind of stuff. Yeah. And uh, he, he, uh, he just wrote a book called The Align Method. And it, um, he talks about the concept of physical inhabitants, you know, yeah. being, uh, you know, habitating your body, being inhabited in your body. And I think that's such a thing to understand when you're talking about sexual energy because... You really, you know, 
Like you're really in this bitch. Like you're inside your body. Yeah. Like you're here. Yeah. You're 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 up in there. And so you know you can you can choose to um, you know for me one of the things that that was um, uh, massively impactive in my life was sitting at a desk job for the better part of 15 years of my life. And so uh, for anyone who you know doesn't understand chakras, there are some energy centers up the middle of your body. You have some kundalini energy that comes up from the bottom chakra and it spins around your spine like a caduceus, that medical symbol with the two snakes going around the, the wand and all that. And when you have a blockage in one of those energy centers, it causes different problems depending on where that blockage is. And so um, sitting in, uh, in a desk job on my butt all the time was causing a lot of root chakra and sacral chakra blockages because you just all those muscles and stuff around that lower part of your body just get all jammed up. And yeah, so, all yeah, and, and that causes sexual problems of, of various kinds, yeah. whether it's sexual dysfunction, um, premature ejaculation, um, or it can just it can manifest itself in terms of just sexual shame. So just to be you yeah. know, just very specific, we're talking about these things. It's important to talk about not enough men having these conversations, um, exactly. which, again, is what Sacred Sons and, and what your work is so incredible for. Um, but, you know, we we have to be balanced people to find happiness in, in a sustainable way. Right. And I'm not talking about the fleeting joy of the moment, you know, but but to uh, to have to cultivate deep, meaningful relationships, we need to have balance in our lives. And uh, that's really is it's not just cliche to say mind body and spirit we need to have bodily balance through the stretching and flexibility and core strength and kundalini exercises yoga all these kinds of things um they change like you said the way you do one thing is the way you do everything everything is connected and so when you engage different parts of your body uh you will activate and, and engage different parts of your mind and the sexual energy yep. is the most powerful energy that a human being possesses. And it mm -hmm. doesn't just mean, like you said, it's not just sex. It's not just having sex. Um, there is a, there is some weird, beautiful, primal, divine, n nuclear energy that resides yep. in our root chakra uh, or, or is in, in some way siphoned through our root chakra from the earth i don't know what do you think about that i don't, I don't have an opinion on that is, is that energy is it being generated is our root chakra like a power plant that's pulling this energy in from the earth or something or is it just there what what, what is the deal with that do you have any opinion on that does that make any sense yeah, yeah it totally makes sense so i think it's a combination of both okay. i believe that we have this energy center in the in the Taoist traditions that you're you've heard of the dantians Mm -mm. So the Dantians are energy centers, and I believe they're very similar to the chakras, and they're also, in a sense, like there's three Dantians. They're lower, the middle, and the upper Dantian. And the way that I see them is they kind of are dealing, like, like grouping some of the chakras in general. Right, and so the sense. lower Dantian is this storage center, and a lot of the energy that we generate, we store in that lower Dantian. So all the sexual energy is stored in that lower Dantian the root and the sacral chakra. And I believe that we can, we can cultivate that. We can, we can deplete that energy as men. We can deplete it by excessively ejaculating and refer, I refer to our ejaculate as our seed or semen or whatever you want to call it. But the seed is our, our life giving force. We literally can create another life with our seed. So 
if we're not in the act of procreation and intentionally doing that, if we don't ejaculate, we actually retain that energy and can store that in our body. And that will build our vitality. It'll boost our immune system. It will help us have more endurance and vitality in life and in what we're doing. It'll increase our focus. It'll help with mental clarity. There's about like 90 known or like documented benefits of retaining your seed in the concept of semen retention. And so I also believe that we do get a lot of the energy from the earth. I believe that our feet are such powerful exchangers and just this conduit to let the energy move up into our body as well as move down. And I've, I've learned over the years to really gain a lot of that power and to really trust and put myself and give my energy back to the earth by really pushing into her. And what that does is it, it grounds me. And again, coming back to the topic we were talking about earlier with men and not having the connection to the earth, the same thing happens with our body. If we're disconnected from the earth, we're disconnected from our bodies. And for men and women, if we're disconnected from our bodies, we're not able to experience as much of the orgasmic potential that our body has. And the more that we are connected to our bodies, we can actually feel and when we can feel, we can listen and we can learn what is speaking to us. And I think that that's an integral relationship, again, coming back to what I said earlier about listening. If we're listening to the earth, if we're listening to our body, we can know, oh, I'm now at a place in my body to start circulating the energy and move it rather than ejaculate and let the energy just go out. And it's not, I'm not here to shame anyone about ejaculating. Again, like you were talking about, there isn't that much resources or there isn't that much education for men especially in the west and most cultures that i've come into contact with around sexuality that teaches us about our bodies that teaches us about what our bodies do every day about a third of the caloric intake that our bodies receive goes to sperm production oh wow so if we're if we're not abreast of that information if we're not taught that our bodies are going through so much to make sure that we can have the most optimal capacity to give on and help continue the human race, that's a, that's a piece of information missing from us. If we're not taught about how to feel our bodies and be at home in our bodies, we're literally walking through life blind and lost and not knowing how to go around. And so by coming back home to the earth, by coming back to our bodies and listening, we get to engage with that. And from that place, the listening will guide, all right, do I need to do some generative practices today? Do I feel low energy? I can I can really gain this energy from the earth and and receive it and like booster myself. And there's other days when it's when you may feel really strong and alive. And that's those are times when we can send that energy back. We can complete that circuit, that loop, that cycle of giving and receiving to remember that she's a living being again that can receive that energy. And so I'm hoping that that answered your question about where we receive the, the energy from. Yeah, 100%, 100%. And it was just kind of a curiosity thing because I've thought about that. You know, the uh, the concept of grounding is something that is, is is uh, you know, I've, I've heard some people that express skepticism about the concept of grounding, like taking your shoes off and, and going outside and walking on the ground. And as a person who grew up, I don't, I don't think I had a pair of shoes to my name until I was like 15 years old. Like I just lived outside. I never had shoes on. Um, had like Hobbit feet with like leather on the bottom of them, you know? 
um, running around the pasture and running down rock roads and stuff with no shoes on. And so um, there's a huge difference in having your shoes off outside and then wearing work boots if you're out working in the barn or whatever. Um, My mom still works on the farm and lives on the farm, and she doesn't wear shoes at all. Um, You know, there's there's a very clear... Uh, distinction between someone who you know whenever you take your shoes off go walk around on the ground you're definitely absorbing energy I I couldn't begin to get scientific about it and and explain or understand what's going on in that exchange but there's definitely an energetic exchange between you and the earth when you walk around in barefoot especially when you do it with intention right it's a it's a huge thing um so I was going to ask you, this is kind of a tongue-in-cheek question, but I've always wanted to ask someone this, and you're not a reproductive scientist or an energy doctor, so maybe you can't answer. But so I had a vasectomy, so yeah. my semen gets recirculated back into my body even if I ejaculate. So am I technically Superman? <laughs> um. Gotcha. Yeah, that's a really interesting question. <laughs> <laughs> like I said, I don't even need an answer, but I but I do I do want you to go find that answer for me. You have to find yeah, the answer because you're the, you're the expert. You. My so it's interesting you're talking about this. The the Taoist people about a few thousand years ago were full into the practice of cutting organs out of the body, engaging in surgery, taking the organs out, soaking them in teas and different mixtures and solutions to help heal those organs and put it back in the body. Wow. After after practicing that for a while, they then realized they're like, we don't want to do that anymore, that that we've seen that that's not the most effective way. We can go about different aspects of healing that and doing that. Um, So with that awareness, there's a, there's a part of me that recognizes that if we take anything out of our body, it we can attempt to supplement it. But it's like I was talking with a friend about that last night. If you take the water pump out of a, a car, the engine's going to overheat. No matter how much you add to it, it eventually overheats because you're going to have to stop and check on it. And same with the human body. If we take out the thyroid gland, we literally remove the thyroid from producing all the hormones and having that natural interaction there. So when it comes to a vasectomy and this so the, is in no meat. And the way that my, my vasectomy was done just to be clear, cause I don't know how they're all done, but the way that they did yeah. mine, it was a no scalpel vasectomy. So it was kind of an interesting little procedure. So they, yeah. they took my ball sack and they poked a hole in the front of it with a little hole punch thing. And yeah. then they reached in there with some tweezers and they pulled out the vas deferens, the little tube. Yeah. They snipped yeah, uh-huh. it, they clamp it, they burn it, they put it back in there, and they do that times two because there's one on each side. Yeah, one on each side. And yeah, so, each yeah, and so it it now the way that it was explained to me is that my like the semen comes, um, or the, the the semen goes out, does its thing, still ejaculates, but there's no sperm in the semen because the sperm's getting recycled and resorbed back by the body. So there's still an ejaculate, albeit a thinner, clearer ejaculate, more more liquidy and not as thick. But the uh, the sperm, because the sperm is not there, it's being resorbed. So the life giving essence of it is being resorbed, but there's still an ejaculate. So I, I don't I don't know the semen retention thing. Yeah, I've always so wondered about that. So you have you have basically you have semen, but you don't have sperm right. coming out, right? Correct. Yeah. 
So, um, <laughs> my, my question is, is the, like, what, where does the sperm go? You know, like it's just staying in your testes yeah. and uh, because the, the vas deferens are cauterized and they're not coming out. I'm just curious about that. Um, and, and in no way am I making anyone wrong. I just, I have no idea what actually happens. So, well, what I, what I would say is, you know, like I said, this is uh, it's kind of a tongue in cheek question. It's just, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So what, what I would say is that my experience is that when I ejaculate, the life force is still gone. Even though uh, that's, that's action. Even what though, I believe. yeah, even though the sperm is still inside of me, I, I still, you know, whenever, whenever I come, dude, I'm fucking, it's nap time. Do you know what I mean? And if I've, Got activities yep. or, or, or exercise or um, if I'm going to jiu-jitsu that night or something like that, you know, it's like I can I could feel it. It's, it's a huge difference um, whether I retain, uh, even though there's no sperm in the semen, it's it's still, um, I could save it up for several days and feel like fucking Hercules. You know what I mean? Yeah, so I think that that's, that's where I was getting to is to to use the vasectomy as a, and I'm not saying you're doing this, but if someone uses a vasectomy as a way of not having responsibility of their own body is, is different rather than saying, Hey, we're choosing to have a vasectomy because we don't want to have children and we still want to engage sexually. And also if someone wants to practice semen retention, you can still do that is my guess because yeah. the difference would be you're just allowing the energy to enter into your ball sack and just like float around and then the body's going to reabsorb it yeah. and most likely pee it out in some way or, or process it versus sending the energy up because the energy is still in the body. And so if we then, like you're talking about with the Kundalini energy, if we send it from the root to the top and circulate that, you still can circulate it. And so you're still, your body still has that connected circuit. There's this thing called the microcosmic orbit. And then there's the, there's the, the, the back channel or the governor channel that's going up the spine and then the front channel that's going down and it's this circuit in the body and it's completed by putting our tongue on the roof of the mouth just like in yoga when you put your tongue to the roof of your mouth it's completing that circuit and so I think that as long as someone's using the vasectomy with intention again it's, it's like what you're talking about it's that intention so if your intention is to help your wife prevent not having a child again because she doesn't want to do that, I, I don't see anything wrong with it. It ultimately comes down to your choice. If you want to do that, you do that. What's your intention behind it? Are you adhering to all of that? Are you honoring that? And I think that, and as, yeah, I think that it would be a, a far stretch to say that someone's super, uh, Superman to just not have that intentionality behind it, if that makes sense. I got you. It makes perfect sense to me. Superman, I feel like Superman is very focused and has a mission and is intentional. He's not just floating around. He's using that energy in a certain way. So it's just yeah. about how to direct that. Yeah, I, I I agree. I think I think you're exactly right, man. You know, I uh, I talking about an intention with sex and all that stuff. I just think about how much uh, how much of a distraction uh, we can we can. Um, how much we can use sex as a distraction whenever we are not whole and whenever we're not, um, you know, balanced in our own lives, right? So, uh, as young men, I keep going back to that because that just happens to be what I was once upon a time—a young man. 
Um, I guess I still am, depending on how you look at it. Uh, oh. But, <laughs> you know, young men, again, it's just it's it's having um, having uh, you take this recipe of not enough exercise, very poor diet uh, and being immersed in a culture of, you know, essentially a pornographic culture from the magazines yeah. to the music videos to the music itself to to everything. Um, and then you have this really imbalanced thing and then you wonder why relationships don't work. You wonder why the, the masculine, the, essentially every valuable masculine archetype has been diminished, you know, and to the point of almost extinction. Um, so what, what would be some, some messages that you would, that you would give to, to young men who, um, who might be looking to, uh, make sure that they don't fall down that, that, uh, that well and start, you know, uh, slipping into sexual imbalance in their life, rampant sexual imbalance. Cause I, I do talk to young men who will hit me up and say like, look, I've got, you know, a relationship with this girl and I really like it, but you know, I also like have this pornography thing and I'm trying to like not do that and whatever else. Um, I don't want to live my life, you know, being addicted to porn and stuff like that. And I'm not shaming anybody who looks at porn. It's like, it's a personal choice and it's fine. And there's nothing wrong with it. If you, you know, like you said, it's all about balance and all that stuff too. But, um, certainly to me i don't look at things in terms of like what's right and what's wrong it's it should and if and it's like you should yeah. do this um if you want this result if you want to be able to accomplish this then you should do this and it's not a right or wrong there's no judgment there um no labels on that but you know if you were to just throw some advice at, at young men who grew up in this day and age and and just um maybe some warnings and some like, Hey, you know, don't do this. Don't do that. Like what would be some key things that you see that help people the most? Thanks. Thanks for asking that specific question. First, I would like to say if you are a young man who wants to experience beautiful sexual pleasure with another person that you connect with, with yourself, if you want to experience lasting as long as you want to and being able to decide how long you want to have sex rather than maybe not lasting that long. If you want to really be the best lover that you can be, then you should not look at porn. There you go. I am a direct example of that. I was exposed to pornography at age six and became highly addicted by age nine. And that's back when we had floppy disks. And that's when USB drives didn't even exist. That's when AirDrop or the cloud, none of that was there. And I would I was getting past floppy disks from my older cousins. And I was finding pornography everywhere. I I learned about the internet and I knew how to search the internet. And somehow all of that happened. And we again, we all have that sexual energy. Young, really young boys and girls around like four or five from my experience, because I have, I grew up with 15 siblings slash cousins on Maui, and we, I watched all of them. I'm the oldest of everyone, and I watched them all touch and explore themselves with curiosity. We're all alive with that sexual energy, that creative life force. And by not having guidance, that led me to all these different realms of exploring my sexuality without having any support. And for a long time, what that did is it took me out of my body. And scientifically, the, the body produces dopamine and serotonin when you look at pornography. 
And specifically, the dopamine creates an addictive response. So you look at pornography once, your body releases dopamine. You come back and look at that same picture or video or whatever, or a similar like genre, genre of that yeah. photo. Yeah. And it's not going to produce the same dopamine response. So you need to look at something more intense. You need to look at something that will mentally stimulate you. And the more and more that happens, it creates an addictive cycle to, to literally watch and demand more raunchy, nasty, weird, pornographic depictions in videos and photos and all that. And it, it takes the experience of orgasm and just puts it into the brain. And it takes you out of your own body. And it, it takes you away from what's actually going on. And if you are a young man who's concerned about being a good lover, and if you're a young man who has had any concerns about the size of your package, I can tell you from experience that you should actually be concerned about how you show up. And you should be concerned about how you relate with, and I, I can only speak from experience with women, if you relate with women and choose to engage sexually with women, because I have not met a single woman that says that size is the only thing that matters. I have most, almost every woman I've met says that they want to feel connection. They don't want to feel like they're being, had sex done to them. They don't want to right. feel like an object where a man's like in his brain and trying to figure this out. I'm like, I want to make you come or orgasm. Like I got to do this or do that. They want to actually have a connection. They yeah. want to have an engaging dialogue through the body, through the breath, through the eyes, through the energy that, that, that you're there with them. And what pornography does is it takes you out of that. It takes you just into the brain to experience orgasm just in the brain. And our bodies deal with physical stimulation and that's why ejaculation results because ejaculation is just a muscular response to stimulation mm -hmm. and how what we do is when we train the body to send the energy up we reshift and train that muscular response to actually send the energy up the spine and then we get to spread that and marinate in the body and when we just look at porn and take it into our mind it takes that capacity of us to actually have lasting endurance to be able to last in bed and not just be a hit like a two stroke and done got kind of guy like it just lasts for a few seconds or whatever it may be and i'm i'm one of those guys i in the past i had experiences where i would engage sexually with old girlfriends and boom i would ejaculate way quicker than i wanted to because yeah, i had that same I problem i had that same problem yeah. i was uh was getting bored in my sex life and started looking at porn and immediately yep. it was it immediately it was like uh, 30, 30 seconds in and I'm having to like stop and it's 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 and that becomes its own cycle of shame right yeah because so, so all all of a sudden you're you're ashamed that you you know that you're trying not to get off in thirty seconds and then you get you know um, performance anxiety and then yep. then you 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 push away from your partner more you turn to porn more and, and it just becomes this self perpetuating uh, spiral and that's exactly the thing and uh, you know I think that working with some of these tantric practices and, and God only knows what else you're aware of that I'm not because I'm not this is not exactly my domain but I've done some tantra stuff and um, the kundalini stuff for me has been just a, a life changer in pretty much every area of my life to be able to harness that sexual energy and to be able to slow down and I think it's one of the biggest things and and uh, 
you know, Stefanos talked about it, and I know that it's something you're big on. Slow down. Men, slow down, deep breathing, eye contact, connection. These aren't just to please your lady or your lover or whoever it is. This is very much for your own benefit. Like you said, it's, you know, I I don't just let my kids eat eat Halloween candy year-round and just stuff their face full of Halloween candy. Um, And to me, you know, porn is sort of that. It's just, it's candy, it's dopamine, it's it's an immediate dopamine charge, uh, and there's just no depth to it. Uh, and, 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 you know, if you, if you think about that in symbolic or allegorical or metaphorical terms or whatever, you can understand why that quick release of dopamine is going to lead to a quick ejaculation, a quick finish. You know, it's just quick, <laughs> short breaths. You yeah. know, you just, it, it's, it's a whole thing. Everything's quick about it. Nothing's deep about it emotionally, physically, you know, sensationally or none of that. Um, so what are some practices I know it's kind of hard, you know, over over Skype and some of this audience is going to be, you know, um, obviously most of it's going to be listeners. But just in terms of even resources or practices that people could look into um, to like guys to to first of all, just get off the the porn if you're having problems. If you're sexually dysfunctional, stop looking at porn. I I think that's a safe that's a safe thing to say. Porn is not going to uh, not saying it's bad or or whatever, but it, it. in many ways, I think we would agree it's it's detrimental to a healthy sexual connective, um, you know, partnership, even with yourself yes. or with someone else. So put away the porn. And well, then, p- as far as practices go, Devin, what do you got for people? What what can they look at? Yeah. So a, cu- a few simple practices. One is the belly breath, and this is related to Kundalini energy when you're doing the f- breath of fire, different breaths like that. What that's doing is it's engaging our pelvic floor. And you were talking about sitting down, people who sit down at work. The pelvic floor are the muscles that also control our body's capacity to urinate and pee. And so that pelvic floor weakens the more that we sit because our body just eventually relaxes and it loses the muscle tonification to actually navigate and be able to squeeze and direct the energy and move it. So when you do the belly breath, what it's doing is it's doing multiple things. It's expanding into the lower diaphragm in our pelvic bowl. We have, there's three parts of our diaphragm. We have our upper diaphragm, which is our chest. We have our the abdomen diaphragm, and we have our urogenital diaphragm. And the urogenital diaphragm is down in the pelvic floor in our pelvis at our root in our sacral chakra. And when we breathe into that area of our body, and you can just do this right now as I'm talking about it. You can put your hand right over your belly button or a little bit under your belly button, like the top of your hands on your belly button, and just breathe into that. And if you have a challenging time with that, that's okay. For those of you who may have never done this before, it might be challenging. But my invitation is as you do this, just relax. Breathe into your hands, but just relax. Don't force it. Again, like what you're talking about with slowing down, Slow down with this. Be gentle with it and just really try. Imagine that there's a balloon in your pelvic floor and behind your hand in your stomach. And as you inhale, it blows the balloon up. And as you exhale, it contracts. And as you're doing that, I'll just explain a couple of the benefits. What it's doing is it's we're, it's massaging our internal organs. And so our intestines, which have more neurons than in our brain, we've come to discover, 
we have we're massaging our intestines and that's accessing our vagus nerve and it's accessing the parasympathetic nervous system to relax us and to calm us down and if we're super stimulated and in a sexual experience by being connected to this breath it'll calm us down it'll help us feel the energy rather than get so caught up in it and that we maybe either dissociate or ejaculate or just want to step away from that so do we do those so belly breathing what, while you're having sex it's a really good it's a good way you don't have to be so attentive to it but it's right. a really good i think it's just really beneficial to stay connected to the breath in general whatever it is we do in life whether that's washing the dishes or driving in a car or talking to you or having sex our breath is the one thing that we all share in common you can sync up your breath when you're having sex with whoever you're having sex with, and you can really build a deeper connection. You can really bring presence with each other. And so the belly breath just builds the body's capacity and reconnects us to that lower belly breath. And doing it in and out through the nose really helps calm and filter the air and really calm the body. So that's one thing. We talked about it earlier barefoot, walking on the earth, just really getting in connection to your feet. Because our body has, if you're familiar, for those of you and yourself, Adam, to reflexology. The whole body can be correlated and represented on the feet. So when we walk outside, whether that's on gravel or on grass or the forest or the beach, we're literally getting universal acupressure. We're getting reflexology treatments for free by going and standing outside. So whether you wanna look at the energetic exchange, the ionic exchange between the feet and the soil, there's actual reflexology that's going on. And you can also massage your feet. It's really good to massage your feet. If you are in a relationship, ask your partner to massage your feet. Explain to him or her how beneficial that is to help you stay grounded. It will bring you back into your body. We're talking about the mental connection. We're talking about how so many men are disconnected from their bodies, their emotions, their sensation, and they're up in their head thinking about everything, performance, anxiety, trying to figure out what to do. Get in the body and the body has the wisdom. We've, we've done it for so long, we know like it's in there. The wisdom's in there. It's about accessing and allowing it the space. So the belly breath, either massaging your feet, self-massaging, having your partner massage your feet, or walking on the earth barefoot. And the last one is fitness. Get in your body. The, the less fit that your body is, the less your circulatory system, your, uh, your body is going to able, be able to circulate the blood. And your blood flow will directly affect your sexual performance. If you have all the cramped muscles in and around your pelvis, and you don't have optimal blood flow, your penis, your lingam, different word, whatever you want to say for your sexual organ, is not going to be able to optima, op, optimally function at where you want it. And so the more in your body you are, the more fit you are, the more optimal and your health you are and the vital you are, that will truly help you in your sexual performance because your body is your temple. So if you aren't able to walk up a hill, that's going to also affect your capacity to have sex. Your, your ability to be enduring physical activity is going to drastically increase that. Dude, personally, that's, one, that's like the biggest thing, one of the biggest things for me that I saw was just getting active. Like I said, I was sitting on my ass for like 15 years running a technology company, and I just wasn't being yeah. active. 
And then um, a year, a little over a year ago, I really started hitting it really hard. Got back into jujitsu and and uh, back in the yep. gym and doing the kundalini stuff. And and uh, that was just an absolute game changer in the bedroom. Do you know what I mean? Just um, having the cardiovascular resources to tap into to uh, to make it. Uh, I, I don't want to put too much you know uh, emphasis on like the length of the sexual encounter or whatever you know the the time of it but like you can go longer and have more fun and connect more and 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 explore more opportunities whenever you're not worried about fucking breathing you know (laughs) like when you're able to to breathe and you're able to hold different positions and you're able to to thrust and move in powerful ways and embody this archetype of this herculean fucking lover you know and you feel that you embody that that Herculean sort of spirit, which is, or that, that lion or whatever the archetype is that, you know, in yeah. the bedroom that, 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 resonates with you, you know, it's a, it's a whole different kind of thing whenever you're, you're, um, you're being healthy and you're working out and you're being fit and all that stuff, flexibility and cardio and, and muscularly, you know, all the different things that you do. Um, and like you said, breathing is such a powerful thing to do, whether you're washing the dishes whether you're talking on the phone or having sex or whatever, being uh, in control of your breath is such a powerful thing. That's so awesome. Yeah, there's, fact, there's a few things that came up from that that I want to share after you sharing that, and I love that you brought that through. First, I believe a lot of men are sexually repressed and are, are stereotyped as horn dogs because we actually don't engage with men. Yeah. For you... Doing jujitsu, you are so intimate and close with a man. Uh-huh. If you're rolling with a man, yeah, you're you're up in each other's face. You're wrapping your legs around each other. All of that is very could be perceived as very sexual. Yeah, like literally, I believe that practicing jujitsu really benefits in the bedroom because of how much hip strength and core strength it does. And you're on the ground and you're on your back and you're rolling around. How we don't really do that that much anymore. Yeah. Besides being children, that's an activity that most men lose. And to be able, the concept of iron sharpening iron, yes. to be able to meet your edge with another man and to have that physical exertion changes the game. And I have I've seen that inside of myself. I've seen a shift happen as I've reengaged with martial arts and jujitsu and MMA and getting back into a deeper level of training in my body and what that's done with men is it's helped me, to, it, it literally calms me down. By getting all that energy out, it calms me down so I can be present. So that way, when I, if I come back and have sex with a partner, I am, I'm engaging in that. And I don't, I'm not thinking about all this energy that's moving in my body. I'm, I'm calm, I'm at ease, I'm present, I'm able to be there and connect and play and do all these things rather than trying to get energy out and putting all of that responsibility on the woman in front of me and just get and, and not taking responsibility in my own life. So that for me brings up a thing that's is, I think really common and and working in your space. I'd imagine that you probably hear this a lot from different men, but so like I would go to work, right? Like most men, most people you go to work and you have uh, a very stressful sort of left brain job, you know, uh, and not yep. a lot of physical activity and you come mm-hmm. home and you're like, I just want to fuck, 
You know what I mean? Yeah, I just yeah. give me some fucking dopamine, please. <laughs> you know, I've just yeah. been stressed and I've just got cortisol pumping through every cell in my body. Can we just fuck, please? And it's just it, it, it's it's not that you're thinking about being impersonal. It's not that you're thinking about d- being disconnected. It's that you you've spent all day long solving problems and doing all of these things in this left brain realm. You're completely disconnected from your body. You're completely disconnected from nature. You're completely disconnected from spirit. And so your body is just craving this physiological or biochemical shift. Just give me a pleasure chemical and let me just get it out. Um, And if you have an accommodating partner, that gets tiresome for them very quickly. Um, If you don't have an accommodating partner, you're not going to have that relationship very long or you're going to turn to pornography and that's going to be your release. And then all the spirals, the aforementioned uh, maladies, the plagues will befall you. Um, For me, uh, the gym fitness changed that for me and changed that for my relationship. And like you said, jujitsu took it many levels further. I I trained in martial arts growing up and I stopped from the time I was 20 until I was 34, I'm 35 now. So the gym was great. And then jujitsu, like you said, squeezing, you know, being close with, with other men, who who are trying to hurt you essentially who are trying to choke you and make you pass out um there's something about that physical exchange of energy that um in a completely non-sexual way in a non-romantic yep. sexual way um yep. it, it 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 takes that out of you it takes the the bullshit out and and that became um a a great a great thing for me and then I would go home so wiped out and drenched in sweat and shower off that most nights I would, you know, go cuddle with my girl and we would go to sleep. But on, but I, I wasn't craving superficial sexual release. I wasn't craving yep. a dopamine response. And what happened was our sex life balanced out. The, 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 it became less spiky on the, on the waveform and became yep. a lot more fluid and naturally um, you know, a, a natural frequency and, and intensity and all that. And then that's when the sex became really, really good. <laughs> and it became really, um, you know, I- empowering and connective and all of those things. So again, you know, you got to have that relationship with yourself and your own body and your own mind and spirit before you can, um, you know, engage in a partnership and not fuck up the other person's vibe. So that, you know, that's a big thing, guys. Um, it's your temple. Your body's your temple. Be, be good to your body. Uh, it, I, I always say, like, your body is your buddy, you know? Your yeah. body is your buddy. Treat it right, you know? You, you're, yeah. you're piloting this thing. It's like your car. You know, take care of your car. Wash your car. Change the oil. Your, your body is the same thing, and, and your body is always trying to talk to you. Everything is always trying to talk to you. you got to listen to it. And if you have troubles and recurring, you know, issues in your life, sexually, romantically, physiologically, whatever, you need to listen to those things and take action on it for sure, you know? I love that, man. I love that. So, uh, what else do you guys have going on at Sacred Sons? You guys, so I don't, I don't want to dive off into the coronavirus stuff right now, um, but there's no need to do that. But you guys are out in Hawaii, and yes. you were out there to do a retreat. Um, I, I'd love for you to give everybody kind of a high level of what you what you guys do at Sacred Sons. What is Sacred Sons? So Sacred Sons is an organization, it's an entity, it is a being that has been channeled through three men, Albert, 
Adam and Jason, the co-founders of Sacred Sons. And these men have provided a space for other men to come back in and to experience connection. We, we say that brotherhood is the medicine, and we've, I've been shifting that to saying brotherhood is half of the medicine, the other half is community. And the first half of brotherhood is coming back into connection with ourselves, with each other, addressing what you're talking about with jujitsu. How many men do not experience physical touch and intimacy with other men? That is l largely lacking here in the U.S. and in Western cultures. And to, to provide a space for men to come together and to feel again, to come back home, to be acknowledged that what you feel does not make you any less manly. It actually makes you more manly to feel, to be in touch with your emotions, to be connected to your heart, to be connected to the earth. And we... We're co-steering the return of the health of the father archetype. We're helping normalize what balanced masculinity looks like, what healthy masculinity looks like. And we all recognize that no one of us has that answer, that this is something that as a collective we will respond to and we will rise to meet the occasion of what is being called of us men at this time. And with the Me Too movement, and with the whole phrase and the explosion of toxic masculinity, which I don't even believe in, there's there's so much that's highlighting what the masculine has done wrong. Yeah. And what we're doing at Sacred Sons is we're we're here to say, hey, we're not we're not going to ignore what's been done. We're not going to turn away from that, and we're going to show up to figure out and to listen in how we can best show up for our communities, for our world at this time, because the men are needed. We need the men. We need the protectors of this earth. We need the protectors of our community, of our fellow women and the children and our brothers, because to me, that is what well, I, I wanted to say this earlier. And I feel like this is the time to say it. When a man is it, when a man is engaged and aware that he's a protector of the earth, to me, there's there's a sense of relief knowing that I have my other brothers that are doing the same thing because it's not about me. And if something were to happen to me, I trust that my community is going to be there, that they are also protecting the earth, that they also have the systems in place for making sure that food is provided for water, shelter, safety for the men and the women and the children, because that's what it's all about is 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 caring for the community. And so that's what sacred sons is is here to do is we're here to reactivate the hearts of men and call men forward so that way we can show up for life we can show up honoring life and respecting the earth that's a beautiful thing man such a beautiful thing because we have lost so much of what it means to be a balanced man right or or a balanced woman for that matter um just a balanced human being balanced and human. uh you know, the, the, the toxic masculinity thing, you know, I feel you on that. I, I think for me, you know, I, I try to always understand what people's complaints are. I try to always understand what they're, what they're upset about. And I, you know what, when someone says toxic masculinity, what, what, what I hear them saying is an abuse of masculine power, you know, yeah. uh, mm -hmm. a perversion of masculinity really is what it should be called. Because I think you and I both sort of probably are of the, of the same mind that, masculinity can't be toxic because masculinity is divine and if it's not it's not masculinity <laughs> yeah. 
You know, it's like someone abusing a woman, like that's toxic masculinity. No, that's not masculine at all. That's, no. <laughs> that's just, that's not what that is. So, you know, one of the things that I, I really, that's, that's near and dear to my heart is, um, I guess, you know, you might look at it more from the Taoist uh, angle or something, but is the concept of duality of the masculine and the feminine. Um, mm -hmm. and the importance of balancing masculine and feminine energies in our own lives, um, you know, in our practices and all that kind of stuff. And uh, that's, that's something that, you know, once you, once you understand these concepts of duality, once you understand the light wolf and the dark wolf and, and um, you know, all of, the, all of the different elemental aspects that make us human, I think you're able to look around at the, at the world um, at your family, at your relationships, and see what's going wrong and what's going right. And you can say, well, there's an there's an over you know an overexertion of left brain principles here. There's uh, you know these greed and um, and the selfishness and uh, all all that toxic stuff. Or you could say, well, there's not enough structure here, not enough organization. Maybe maybe there's too a little too much right brain, too much feminine going there. How has 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 the the understanding of of balancing your energies? How has that impacted your life, and and, and how do you see um, in, in the world that that we inhabit? How could understanding these concepts like duality uh, and the Tao, how could these things help to to restore people's understanding of the world and and the the replenishment of it? Mm. Sorry, my questions are so fucking wordy. I just I these I love them. I love your questions. So thank you. It really it calls me forward and calls me really present. What has happened for me is as I have found the balancing of the masculine and the feminine inside of me, I really have come to find such joy and appreciation and celebration of life by being less extreme and balanced with both and letting them both exist. I've come to recognize that there's never one or the other. They're always there. Mm -hmm. There's always this dynamic interaction and with the yin and yang symbol, the only reason why the symbol exists is because there's the space around the symbol. Because without the spaciousness, that symbol wouldn't be defined. And then the masculine and the feminine both make up that line. And it doesn't necessarily have to look like the yin and the yang. That's just a an attempt at representing masculine and feminine energy because the line only exists because both are there. Mm -hmm. And so with out the masculine and the feminine present there would be no line it would be blurry it, we wouldn't know what it is and so by having this contrast by having this perceptual experience of duality we recognize that there is no separation that duality ultimately is a part of oneness and everything is connected and so that realization for me has helped me to step into that space of what you said that good or wrong might not be the case it's a it's a matter of well, a gun is, if a gun's used to kill someone, the gun is not bad. It's the person who's taking the gun and choosing to use that and do it. Toxic masculinity doesn't necessarily exist. I would say it's more a lack of masculinity that creates these imbalances in men and women. And so the, the deep understanding that it's all connected and that I'm a part of this and I'm actively engaging and interacting with it has helped me to really soften has really helped me to to look at the masculine energetics more as compassion and look at the feminine energetics more as wisdom 
And for me, how can I embody my masculine quality of compassion when someone's in front of me and telling me something that I don't want to hear? Am I going to freak out and get mad at them or am I going to really deepen into my compassion, soften into my edge and show up for that person? So because hold on. We're all so I'm sorry to, sorry to jump in, but this was really key for me. So you said you're seeing, you're looking at, uh, at compassion as being a masculine trait and um, wisdom as a feminine trait. Yeah, that comes from the Tibetan tantric Buddhist view. And I really resonate with that. I believe the same thing is in, is in Kundalini Yoga, where Shiva, the masculine, is at the top, at the crown, and Shakti, the feminine, is at the root. And what Shiva is doing is Shiva is actively inviting and calling forth Shakti to rise. And Shakti is the, the rumbling wild spirit. And a lot of times... I think that there's a misconception that masculine is strong and that we have to prove our strength and all those concepts that a lot of men deal with. And I believe that our strength is in our softness. Our strength is, is surrendering to the knowing that we are strong, that the embodied experience that I am strong and I don't have to prove my strength. And that feminine, like, I really see feminine as strength, as power. Women have the uterus, the strongest muscle in the body, and they give birth. And the earth is feminine, and she has all this structure here. And she has tornadoes and storms and tsunamis and avalanches, and all that's really powerful in fire. And so that's, that's how I see it. And so really, I believe that, and this is when I've seen the most power. I've seen Men try to get in fights with me, and if I were to meet them with the energy, I would escalate that and guarantee start a fight right away. And if I actually soften and just give them presence and sit with a man, I've been in very intense situations in the last five years because I grew up here on Maui and I learned to fight to defend myself. So for a long time, I just would match the energy that was coming at me with as a form of protection to not have to wait for the fight, but to be the one who starts the fight and ends the fight so I don't have to get beat up because I got beat up enough. And I've learned that by really stepping into that softness, into that space of compassion, it's diffused every fight that has at least been attempted to have happen with me, which hasn't been much, but there have been like a few key experiences where it's happened. And I, I see that in interactions with women, particularly partners in the past. If I try to prove myself and try and carry this stern energy because I know I'm right, that's not wisdom. And I, that's that's just combative. I like that. I like the idea that um, you know, you that 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 Shiva calls Shakti up. Yeah. Right? Because I, I that's such a that's such a cool thing. If you, if you think about all of the 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 different um the different typologies, the different ways that, that can play out allegorically in life, right? The masculine is powerful enough to to call the feminine forward not to pull not to push not to ch challenge or force or anything but but the uh thinking of the balanced king on the hill calling the queen up you know yeah. um, because your balanced queen isn't going to follow a dipshit um exactly but a balanced queen's also not going to respond to force and she's going to be strong enough to resist it i think that's yeah. a beautiful way of looking at the masculine and feminine i think um 
I'm gonna I'm gonna have to really I'm gonna process that. I'm gonna spend that might be a game changer for me to to to, to look at the archetype in that way. It simplifies it to me in a way that I I like to think that, that I I was already wanting to see things that way. But that um that's just a beautiful way to a beautiful way to express that man. I appreciate that. Thank you for sharing that. Um, spirituality. You know we're, we're kind of on Shiva and Shakti and um, spirituality is something that I think we as uh, modernity the western civilization we we struggle with spirituality right because we've got um you know we've we've got like the three big abrahamic religions we've got judaism and christianity and and uh, islam and and then um you know c catholicism within that obviously and um you know i i i've i i not inviting you to be critical of any religions, but I, I, I personally have, have, have spent enough time on this podcast being an outspoken critic of the monotheistic religions <laughs> and their, yeah. um, their sort of conquest of, of the world. And uh, that's, I'll yeah. leave it at that. But, but, but to me, um, we, uh, you know, we, 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 we need something in our lives. Uh, let me, let me rephrase that. It helps to have a spiritual framework in your life. It helps uh, much more so if that spiritual framework um, looks something like love and understanding and reasonable inclusivity, right? And there are some existing spiritual belief systems you can you can pick from and cobble together your own. And what I find is that you know it's like I'm I've got tattoos all over my arm with different gods and you know the Buddha and and Poseidon and um, some Egyptian stuff, the God of wisdom, Thoth, yeah. and you know, all this all stuff. That. And it's, it's all in a Zodiac. And, and what I find, and I was just having this conversation with a buddy of mine yesterday who grew up in Turkey, born and raised, and he grew up in an Islamic, um, culture, but his family's not super religious. And he's like, he's like, man, I believe in God for sure. hundred percent. But you know, I don't think he wants us to throw gay people off roofs, and I don't think that you know he wants us to beat our women. I don't think he wants us to marry children, and you know, I, I, but I, you know, I can communicate with people with different belief systems. And sometimes I'll talk to people about. Uh, I get asked a lot because of my tattoos. In some case, in, in in through the the podcast, because people look at the Instagram, they're like, "What the hell is this guy? <laughs> What's going on uh, in his head?" Um, and people have a lot of times have a hard time understanding how uh, how a person could could take some beliefs from this belief system and take some beliefs here and take some beliefs here and take some beliefs here and cobble them together and make your own belief system. Um, and so, so some people have asked me, well, like, how in the world could you commune with people? How could you have any sort of community with people spiritually or whatever? And and just to say this uh, out loud, like. I have no problem communing with people. My buddy yesterday, you know, he he grew up in the Islamic faith and he's not he's not Islamic, but we had a rich, beautiful conversation about God and about helping people. Um, my my jujitsu coach is a black belt, and he uh, he and I grew up in church together from the time we were like 12, 10, 11 years old. And um, he was the son of a preacher. He's been a preacher himself. He's a you know Christian, um, but he has uh, he has total respect for my for my sort of eclectic eastern western mishmash of belief systems uh and we have endless hours of conversation about god and helping people and, and being of service um and being good fathers and good men and all this stuff so uh i would assume um that you also are probably someone who has uh 
a, a wide variety of belief systems that you have cobbled together. Um, and so tell me a little bit about that and tell me what you think about the value of spirituality um, in whatever form. What are the things that make a good spiritual belief system for you in your life? Um, what were the what were the things that you considered and, and continue to consider as you implement spiritual beliefs and practices in your life? I always say that religion is to spirituality what exercise is to health and fitness, right? Religion yeah. is your spiritual beliefs at work, and it, and it enhance, should enhance your spirituality um, just the way that exercise yeah. should enhance your fitness. So... Yeah. Uh, again, another wordy question there, but what is what do your spiritual beliefs look like? Why are they your spiritual beliefs, and what are the what are the value? What is the value you feel like a, a spiritual practice holds in the life of a person trying to to live a balanced and wholesome life? Oh gosh, that <laughs> is the question, and I absolutely love it, especially in this time that we're moving through. For me, spirituality is is not spiritual to me spirituality is the concept of oneness is by separating physicality and emotionality and mentality and spirituality that's a part of the western culture in my opinion that just likes to put boxes around everything i'm like well this is this and it, it can only exist this way and this can only exist that way but to me exercising is spiritual to me, gathering with some friends and drinking some jun or some over-alcoholic kombucha or alcohol that I made at home is spiritual. To me, going down to the beach and surfing is spiritual or just sitting at the beach is spiritual. Reading a book is spiritual. To me, life is spiritual. There is no separation because everything is spirit. Everyone has spirit inside of them. So... For me to say that someone that doesn't practice yoga and that doesn't do pranayama and isn't aware of these things isn't spiritual, to me, that is the opposite of spirituality. To me, yeah. spirituality is inclusivity, is recognizing that we're all a part of this, that we're literally on this big rock hurling and spinning through space, and we're all here right now. The fact that I can talk to you and I'm not telling my liver what to do, and I'm not telling my kidneys what to do, and your heart is beating, and all the machinery that is working is making us to be able to communicate, that to me is a spiritual miracle. The mere fact that we are here, which in one sense is so insignificant, because we know how supposedly many stars there are and how many galaxies, and so the fact that we all are here experiencing this life is a spiritual phenomenon. And for me, what what's helped me arrive here has been experiencing different cultures. I grew up with a Roman Catholic background on my mom's side. My dad was completely against God and the concept of God, but he said, oh my God, all the time, and Jesus all the time. So that was something confusing for me to be like, wait, someone's <laughs> against this, but they say these words all the time, and I'm like, how ingrained is this in the culture? Right. But my dad, my, my dad had a deep understanding that there's this larger or this grander or this all pervasive energy or presence or awareness or power that's watching over things. And the Hawaiians who have their own relationship with God and the land and the water and that how there's different deities. And then 
learning about yoga and learning about the Native American First Nations people and their relationship with all the animals and how they see them as messengers and how everything's a messenger. That all helped me, as well as my own indigenous tribe or family or lineage from Denmark, their relationships with Odin and Thor and Loki and Freya and all these different beings and seeing the pagans, like the, the Egyptian, not the Egyptian, the European religions, how they had all their own relationships with the god or goddess of the underworld and the trees and the night and the storms and the earth, like all of these aspects that are attempting to describe what cannot be described, but I have experienced in my life and I have felt it. But then I try and put words to it and it just falls short. But there's still that attempt as humans to find a way to, to relate, to find a common ground, to me, is, is the practice of spirituality. And what it's done is it's helped me to develop that side of compassion. It's helped me to go around the world and to see another human as another human who's sharing the same breath and to not discriminate against them or push them away because they have a different practice than me. And to be able to go to connect with humans who can't speak the same language that I speak but we can relate on certain levels has helped me to recognize that there's something at, at play. There's something way bigger than my own self. And just to like dabble into this realm a little bit too, I was deeply horrified as well as obsessed with conspiracy theories for a long time. And I realized that there's still someone, there's still a larger entity power being consciousness that is above that so for those who are trying to control and manipulate or whatever people want to say there's still a larger planet play that helps me to relax and remember that i'm here to give all of myself i've been given this gift of life and that's the spiritual tenant of mine that this day is a miracle i'm grateful for today and i'm here to give what i can great spirit please show me and call me forward in the ways that i can give and contribute to life today Yes, it's beautiful, man. I I love that. I love that. That 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 one great spirit. I I can totally relate. You know, I was uh, years and years ago was really kind of fell down the rabbit hole with the conspiracy theories and stuff. You know, and even as you and I sit here and call them conspiracy theories, we're both aware that a lot of that shit is real. <laughs> you know. Yeah, much so. And. Um, it's easy to get lost in the sauce, and I was just having this conversation with a buddy of mine the other day who runs a big conspiracy theory page and uh, and a news alternative news outlet called Freedom Faction. Incredible dude, and uh, but we were talking about how the um, the uh, there's a tendency to 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 feel overwhelmed, or it's easy to feel overwhelmed. Um, whenever you don't have the weaponry to to or and the armor to defend yourself in the arena that you're fighting in, you know, if you send somebody out like a gladiator into an arena and you just don't give them a sword or a shield, they're like, "Fuck! What am I gonna do?" They freak out. And sometimes, you know, people get uh, in this day and age, especially with the internet. I mean, you know, information is so available everywhere. It's it's easy to start digging into the what's behind the curtain in our world. And I, you know, we can yeah. call them conspiracy theories, but again, a lot of this stuff is just, it's just obvious. If you just, if you just look up from your phone for a minute, you know, you can see that 
there's a there's a, a reality going on behind the curtain it's not always all that comforting but it's you know to me one one you're right one of those one of those virtues of having uh, a strong spiritual foundation and not just a bullshit one but one that you actually um you know that you that you water that seed and and you you grow it is the realization that there is a greater plan there's a greater divine order to all this stuff the balance um the balance will not be overthrown for long um i love the the yuga cycles of the hindus uh it's a very yep. inspiring concept to understand especially whenever you start looking at where the world is now um a lot of religions feel like or some religions feel like we're approaching armageddon and the end of the world and to me i'm going it's about to be the golden age bitch like things are you know things are finally coming around for the uh you know for the snake people um it's uh for me religion is is a is a way of reflecting on the um the components of our character uh that that are virtuous and and the the aspects of life that can be challenging and finding meaning in the things that seem so abstract and inexplicable you know and uh, and essentially a lot of it just comes back to gratitude right just being grateful yep. for what we have one of the things that happened here lately maybe you can help me out maybe you can't um i think my girlfriend and i were uh in a cabin up in the mountains in in oklahoma and ozarks and and uh i I was looking for something that I thought I had lost and like, it was like my car keys or something. And then they just popped up and I was like, Oh, that's cool. And I was like, you know what? I wish there, I wish I knew of a God or a deity that I could give thanks to whenever the little things that could go wrong, don't go wrong. You know what I mean? So, oh. you know what I mean? So like I think of Loki, um, cause we, you know, the Viking thing is a thing in our household cause those are my ancestors. Yeah. So like the all father is sort of our grand deity, you know, that we pray to. Um, but I never had a place for Loki in my life. And I wonder, would that be like a Loki thing? You know, those, cause you know how it is. Sometimes you lose your car keys and you kind of cuss about it. You're like, ah, oh, shit, man, that really sucks. You know, but what about all the times that thing, little things don't go wrong and they could have. I love. I would love. I, I've I've been trying to implement that ever since that happened about a month and a half ago. Implement that in my life, giving thanks to some deity for the little piddly mundane bullshit that if it had gone wrong, it would have really irritated you and thrown your day off or half of a day. Um, there's got to be some god or deity that that corresponds to in some belief system, right? Uh, yeah. For me, what what comes up when you say that is is Ganesh, and. Ganesha is the. Have a look. Yeah, yeah, you got Ganesha right there. So, Ganesha is is known to be the the remover of obstacles as well as the placer of obstacles. So, to me, Ganesha is that it like it's a comedic relief because, again, like if it when and when people recognize that there's higher power or other beings or entities interacting with us, I've had that same thing happen. And if I choose to freak out, that's my obstacle. If I choose to really get mad, that's my obstacle. If I choose to trust in it and say, okay, the keys, I know where my keys are. I know that they're not lost. They're somewhere around here. I, I'm going to find them. I'm not going to look. I'm going to find. There's, and then that comes down to the choice, that sovereign connection inside myself that says, okay, haha, Ganesh, thanks. Like, 
I get a, and I get a play rather than get so serious. And I think that that's one of the biggest aspects of spirituality that that I criticize is I feel like people get so serious, so dogmatic rather than saying, okay, this is literally happening for a reason right now. If we want to be spiritual, let's actually put that into practice and recognize that everything's going on and happening for a reason. So if I can't find my keys right now, what, what's, what's speaking to me? What's asking me to slow down? What's asking me to look rather than just freak out and instantly think that something's going on? And this is, this is what's been coming up for me a lot lately is, is how easily ready people are to go into the apocalyptic mindset. Oh gosh, coronavirus is all coming down. It's about to come down. Like there's this almost ingrained pattern in humans to think that it's the end of the world always, which in one sense it is. Like you said, yes, the end of the world is happening, but that doesn't mean it's the end because nothing's ever the end. The end of what we have known to be true, what we have experienced is definitely dying is definitely grasping grasping really strongly to what's been to hold on to because in my opinion it's afraid to die rather than the recognition that there is an end and so i think ganesh would be someone who i would talk to or interact with if that's something there and also for the things that go right we navigate that by by preparing for the obstacle or being able to see it before it even comes if that makes sense so yeah i love that I love that. And I think I think Loki definitely is in that category because Loki is similar to what I know of like trickster energy, coyote energy. And I think that that like the coyote is just there to laugh in a sense. Like they laugh all the time. And it's just like we don't need to take life so seriously. We can't find the keys. We're going to find it. If we're in this time of the coronavirus and stuff's going crazy, we're going to get through it. Like it's it's not going to be the end all because nothing is ever resolved and nothing is ever finished. So for me, that phrase has stuck with me. And that was my, my younger cousin who was a junior in high school when he shared that with me. And that stuck with me because if nothing's ever resolved and nothing's ever finished, that means we're constantly learning and growing the sunrise, the sunsets, the night comes, the night sets. I finish one thing, there's enough, there's a million other things to do. And so that slowing down, which I think is being really highlighted right now, by being able to slow down enough to laugh and say, huh, this is coming for me right now. Life is happening for me. What's here? How do I show up in that? I love that. I think be beautiful and meaningful. I love that, man. A hundred percent. I like the Ganesha thing. Yeah, Ganesha became a big part of our lives. We found a uh, by accident at this um, at this artifact place. We found a, uh, a a Tibetan ceremonial dagger with wow. uh, with Ganesha on the handle and um, holding whatever he holds typically. But there's definitely in one hand he's got a mushroom, and in the other huh. hand he's got something else, whatever he normally holds. But it's this old old ceremonial dagger it's huge and it was in this big case and it was such a blessing because we had just bought our new home and it was uh the 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 whole that whole period of our life was a very re rejuvenative uh time and um and this thing was just mounted in this big beautiful box it was all this stuff we were looking for home decorations and i saw this thing and i went oh my god it's ganesha on a fucking dagger 
and it's you know the new beginnings and the remover of obstacles and um, they couldn't find the price for it they couldn't find where it came from or anything so they gave us this thing at, a, at an absolute steal and so I just saw that as, as Ganesh giving us a, a little wink you know here put me up in your new home and honor us in your new home and um, and so we did that and so now we have this beautiful Ganesh dagger that God only knows what that thing you know was worth but we didn't have to pay anything like that so um, Ganesh has had a very special place in in our lives since around that time which has been a couple of years now so that's a beautiful thing but yeah the trickster thing you talk about the the trickster the, the coyote energy the Loki thing and that's what I always think of you know it's my, my oldest son is uh he'll be 14 next week and he's anytime I couldn't find my keys he's always like well probably because Loki hit him that's you know you can thank Loki for that asshole um, and so I, I, I just, I guess I kind of thought maybe I'll just turn that around. And anytime Loki decides not to hide my keys, I'm going to give thanks for that. Because one of the things I talk about a lot is that, you know, and this is another one of those self-reflective aspects of, of, of religion to me, um, of my religion or my, my practiced spirituality is that we, we're hard on ourselves, man. We're, yeah. we're hard on ourselves. We, we, we beat ourselves up. We cuss at ourselves when we don't do something right. We spill the milk and we're just like, ah, oh, you fucking idiot, you know? And, yeah. but how often do we laugh and, and lift ourselves up and pat ourselves in the back for the little, the equally small things that we do right? Exactly. You know, the little things that we do right. Um, you know, so these days, and this is a practice I'm sharing with you and with the audience, because it's a thing that, that, um, has has had a positive inf influence on my life is it literally if i reach in my pocket and i grab my keys and i just pull them out and i like grab the right key the first time like i'll tell myself what a badass i am like dude that was a great job you fucking nailed it look at you but you know what you do that with your with your kids your friends you know be playful with yourself with your kids your friends your partner whatever and and and, and congratulate and uh, gas people up for the little things that they do right, the little things that they do right, the little things that you do right, you know, because we beat ourselves up over little stuff. Why not gas yourself up over it too? I, I like to do that. So I, I host a lot of men's circles in person, online, lots of different places. And that's one thing I really like to do is to say, what's one win? What's one thing that you want to celebrate in your life right now? And what that does to the energy of the group, what, shift comes from that is so powerful because again coming back to that concept of people who consider themselves in the spiritual community which is isolating it's not inclusive when when people do that i feel like they become so serious and forget to celebrate forget to find the things that are actually working and to build on those successes to not let them go by unacknowledged because it's so potent because the things that really work in my life I keep on doing, and so I celebrate them, I honor them. My movement, fitness, workout practice, there has not been an, there's never been a single time where I feel worse afterwards and wish I've never done, I wish I hadn't done that. I always feel amazing, and I always remind myself, this is why I do it. Even if I'm about to fall asleep before I go move, I move, and I'm so grateful for that. And so I think that that's something that's really helpful for humans is to celebrate what works in their life so that way they can really stay in that place of celebration and not just such extreme criticism 
I love it. One of the things that I've very recently um, started to kick around, write about, and you know, I I always like I'll, I'll have these epiphanies. I don't know if this works like this for you and for other people, but I'll, I'll have an epiphany, and then I'll start writing about it. So I've been working on a book for like two and a half, three years now, and and I've got a ton written. Um, I'm always working on the, the the format and ironing out the organization of it. You know, this is sort of uh, a thing to try to help people uh, who um, help people to follow in some of the footsteps that I've found work because I've gone down so many trails that didn't work and so many paths that led nowhere. And then I go find one that works and I'm like, oh, this is awesome. So I've written about all of this stuff and I'm like, here's some practices that can help you out. Um, and one of those things uh, is very recently is just not taking yourself so seriously. And it's a thing that you've mentioned several times. Um, and so I want to I want to hit that um, because I think it's super key, and, and when we're, we're talking about um, we're talking about giving yourself credit for the little things you do right, giving thanks to Ganesh or to Loki or to you know the fucking Keebler elves or whoever for every little thing that doesn't go wrong in your life, because really at the end of the day, for me, religion is really just a, kind of a self-reflective thing. Again, it's it's honoring the components of you that 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 need to be honored and need to be remembered and need to be um, given gratitude for. And that's also the little things, because we shape our reality. Our thoughts shape our reality, and that's not really some woo-woo claim. What I mean is that if you just sit around thinking about crappy things all day long, then your reality sucks. And if you sit yeah. around thinking about gratitude and happiness and whatever, then your reality is going to be much better. Gratitude particularly because, you know, if you're grateful, that means you have a thing to be grateful for. And if you're able to listen to this podcast, if you're able to sit here and breathe, then you have things to be grateful for. Um, but <clears throat> gratitude matters. Giving yourself credit for the little stuff matters. And for men, particularly, um, we've got to stop taking ourselves so seriously. We've got to learn to laugh at ourselves. Got to learn to let others laugh at us, especially our partner. Um, there's so many defense mechanisms and insecurities that flare up when someone makes a joke about us or someone even says a comment that triggers us and we think that we're, we're under attack or something like that. And so I've noticed, you know, just in my own life of like not, um, taking myself so seriously, it's, just, it, it's had a tremendous impact on my relationship over the last you know couple of years with my kids, with my, my girlfriend and everything else. So what do you what do you think about that? The whole do do men take themselves too seriously? Could they do better at, oh. at, at lightening up? I would say fuck yeah. I I'm one of them. I used to take myself so seriously. I thought I was so high and mighty practicing yoga and meditating and doing all these practices and I would just criticize others for not being spiritual. Like I I've, I've made this comment multiple times and even in more modern time or my like more present times in life judging people for not eating certain types of foods and i'm just like wait doesn't everyone have a choice and why why do if i'm being this hard on other people i'm being way more hard on myself and not giving myself the freedom to actually explore and have that curiosity that wild innocent nature of a child the child is inside of me the child's inside of you the child's inside of all of us we just build layers as we grow in life and when I lose track and connection to my inner child, life becomes so dull, life becomes so dry, life becomes so not engaging. And to me, children are just in awe. They're like, 
everything is just stimulating and just a beautiful experience, whether it's painful or pleasurable, it's on the same spectrum. And so to, to carry that value and that connection to life helps me just lighten up and helps me laugh at myself and helps me recognize that I am really weird and I embrace that and I just let it be. And I was at the beach, let's say two weeks ago, three weeks ago, back in San Diego, a few days before I was coming out to Maui. And I was just making all these noises and playing and these, these two women and this guy walked by, the one woman who was extremely attractive to me, and she was just like, you don't care, do you? Like, you just, you like to be yourself, and that's all you want to do, huh? And I just laughed, and I'm like, yeah. And she was like, thank you, like, just keep on doing that. And to me, if I were trying to be so serious and try and play a game of like, oh, well, there's this attractive woman walking to me, so I need to be a certain way, she probably would have wanted anything to do with me. But because I wasn't trying to do anything to get her attention, I was just simply being myself and laughing at my own self for being myself, I actually unintentionally engaged her in the conversation that I was talking to my friend on the other side of the car and only looking at him. I'll give you, a, so, give you a phrase that you'll like. Authenticity is magnetic. Yeah, it's so true. I totally, yeah, I, I'm very well and attuned to that. It is. And it's, it's so obvious when someone's authentic. It's so obvious. If someone isn't being authentic, at least for me, I feel like I can sense it in my body. I have a visceral reaction with what mm. I'm experiencing. And I just, I'm like, I want to feel you. I want to know what's there for you. And, you know, something that's really helped me in that practice to be the magnetic authenticity of my own self has been to really be honest and to, to express. And I've used this practice particularly, I mean, it's gone both ways, but for specifically with women, I've, I've told many women that I'm attracted to them, that I have a desire to explore a connection with them, whatever that may be. And by stepping into that place of authenticity, I've created really deep relationships with women, non-sexual friendship, sisterhood, brotherhood relationships where I can just be myself completely. And I've also had that eventually, I've had those types of conversations turn into partnerships because I'm not here to hide anything. I'm not here to wear a mask. I will wear a mask because I want to put on a mask because I'm intentionally embodying a different archetype or dressing up for something. Right. But I'm not here to wear a mask in everything I do. And to me, in that concept, I think a lot of people in the dating realm, in the partnership realm, and in that whole realm try to be something else to gain someone's approval or validation rather than not playing any games and just playing and saying, hey, I want to connect with you. Sweet. I don't want to do that with you. Thank you. I can now move on my way. I don't need to do that. Like dogs, dogs will come up, male or female dogs will go up and sniff each other's genitals in their butt. And they're like, I like that smell or I don't. And then the dog <laughs> will go for it. They don't, they're not like overstepping boundaries and so worried about consent they just recognize that consent is the other person's sovereignty to say don't do that or do that and i'm not advocating that humans just deny consent but i think that there's a certain level where we're not going to do that with a child you know like if a child is crying and there's no one around we're not going to go and ask the child oh would you like me to pick you up right now we're going to like we're going to pick some that people child think up and you should do that some people think you should do that. They think you should ask for permission before you change their diaper. I don't want to get into that fucking lunacy, but um, 
I do. I I do want to. I want to hit on. I'm just not even interested in in giving that that yeah. that school of thought a fucking platform. Not here. Um, but what I am interested in is what you said about people wearing masks because I think about this sometimes, and you know, people. Um, I, I, I used to, I went through this sort of phase where I would look at people and think, man, these people are all so fake. I mean, I, I, um, you know, I operate an IT company and we, we do, we're, we're very, you know, we're, we're centered on the corporate world and man, you want to talk about a really pretentious group of people. I mean, people who own, you know, 20 hospitals, you know, that kind of shit. And you're dealing with these people and you're mapping out this 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 new hospital company they want to build and they're going to build all these hospitals and these guys all drive you know they have lamborghinis and porsches and bmws and private planes and that whole world was the world that i was immersed in for the longest time in my all through my 20s and i i felt like that was who i needed to be to be yeah. uh, to have value i needed to make sure that my my wife drove you know drove a lexus and we had a nice house and i had all the nice watches and the nice suits and um, you know, with just looking back, I cringe when I think about the masks that I was wearing, but we, when we don't know ourselves at all, what, what, what option do we have, but to go to the closet and pick out our mask for the day, you know? And so to, to me, the, uh, the term, the phrase, the, the concept, know thyself is, one of the most important, if not the most per, per, important um, concepts in the human experience, because, you know, uh, so many of us are walking around wearing masks and we don't have any idea we're wearing a mask, you know? And like you said, sometimes I'll intentionally put, uh, put, a, put a mask on, I'll put on my, my hiking boots and my cargo pants and my big fucking knife and my vest and my beanie. That's my Wayfinder outfit. And I go hiking up yep. in the woods in the freezing cold with my dog and we spend you know, three days on the side of a mountain up in the freezing cold. And that's what we do for isolation to get away and to harden ourselves and engage that primal gear. I put that mask on. I put the Wayfinder hat on. I, I go out there and, and do that. Um, you know, got the hatchet and all the stuff, you know what I mean? But I, you know, I take it off when I come home and I rejoin yeah. my family as me. And, uh, and, and that, that, that archetype I embodied on the side of a freezing mountain is then integrated into my subconscious into my spirit and and it, it stays there but it took work for me and continues to take work for me and i think all of us to to seek deeply within ourselves so that we can find um you know what's what's in there and try to embody that on a regular basis um but people wear masks not just because they want to mislead. I think it's important to, to be clear. You know, they don't just necessarily want to mislead. People have been misled themselves about themselves and mislead themselves about themselves. Um, and this goes back to this whole conversation we've been having, uh, we've been touching on is this idea that we're, 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 we're confused. People are confused mentally, spiritually, physically. Um, how many people do you, do you encounter on a daily basis outside of your line of work? Obviously, you're dealing with a different... Um, demographic of you know types of people that are interested but how many people do we encounter that if you asked them like what are your interests or your hobbies like they would have no idea you know what do you really love to do what what really gets you going well i mean i go to the bar and i go go drink with my colleagues and the uh, the other partners at the firm and um you know i go do uh you know lamborghini events on the weekend or you know whatever but people really don't you know do enough to uh, 
a lot of people don't do enough or, or have enough availability and access to authentic people themselves, which again is why those sacred sons and everything that you guys do is so important. You feel like people largely don't know themselves and that's why they wear a lot of masks. I think that's funny, a really funny question in, in a beautiful way, because my experience actually is that people do know themselves, mm. but they do. De- they deny that they know themselves. Oh, wow. Okay, tell me about it. So clients, a lot of clients that I work with, both men and women clients, I ask them a question. I say, well, what what really brings you to life? What do you really want to do? And they're like, well, I want to do this and I want to do that, but I don't know. And that's so common for me. I'll hear that. They're, they say their response. They say the exact response to the question that I asked, and then they deny it. And they're like, but I don't know. And I just, I rewind them. I say, let's pause for a moment and let's take you back to that first statement. And I just repeat it to them. I mirror it back to them and I don't say anything. And the, and when that lands, when it literally arrives back in their body, it's as if there's this remembering moment of, oh, wow, I've been here all along. I just haven't been actively engaging in that relation with myself. And I think that the people who have the Lamborghinis and the Porsches and all that, I'm not I don't think you're doing this and I'm not, I don't, I don't say you are and I'm not here to make them wrong. If someone wants a Lamborghini or a Porsche, oh, for sure. all the power to them. 100%. If, if they're choosing that, like you, you choose to put on that mask and go out onto the hillside and then you take it off. If someone chooses to put on the mask of driving a Lamborghini, if they know to choose to take it off, that that's not who they are, that that's not who defines them. It's just more their preference. It's their choice. I think that's the biggest thing. Yeah, let me, I, let, me, let me qualify what I said because you're exactly right. I don't want that to be misconstrued in any sort of way. And right? I think you were. That's yeah, what I was saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I know that you get that, but for anyone else listening, um, I'm all, I love cars, by the way, right? So I, I, I love it. I think people, um, uh, lots of people out there love Lamborghinis. I've got some friends that go take their Lambos out and go do their thing, and that's great. They love doing it. They've worked their whole lives to do that. Uh, some good, authentic people. Um, but if you've ever worked in like middle corporate America, you know that there are a lot of people who are, are very inauthentically into that kind of stuff. And it's very much about, um, the, the superficial status of having, and it's not Lamborghini people. Typically it's like people who lease $80,000 BMWs, right? Um, yeah. or people who finance a Rolex, you know what I mean? People who have, uh, you know, a, a tiny uptown, um, loft apartment just so they can say they live in uptown but they can't afford it but it's all about social status and it's about what other people think of them when they step into the room or when they walk into the bar and if they really just want to be recognized as being that so yeah in no way do I think that anybody should should have any problems buying a Lambo or buying anything that they want or even if you're into designer watches and all that stuff that's awesome yeah. but it's it's you know hopefully people understand that what I'm talking about are people who are just overtly inauthentic and completely unaware of who they are as human beings. And to give an example, personal quick antidote, anecdote, um, the owner of a hospital company that uh, was, was our client for about five years until they sold their company last year. The owner of this company, young guy, uh, mid forties, um, always was sort of just known by everybody for being kind of a bad dude, kind of a shady dude, wasn't honest, owed lots of people, lots of money, millions of dollars in, in debt to lots of vendors and contractors and all this stuff was uh, started this whole co- this whole hospital company under the pretense that he knew what he was doing operationally and he didn't cost his investors a lot of money anyway toward the end of that relationship with those guys I sat I sat him down at lunch 
and we had this uh -huh. this long lunch and i said look man here's here's really like who i am we haven't spent much time together but here's what i represent and here's what i'm about and i i'd like to dig through the the corporate facade and get down to the human of who you are so that we can have a real human conversation and man he it was like shooting bullets at superman it was just the the authentic the authenticity that the attempts at authenticity were just bouncing off of this guy and he's just like uh yeah you know it's it's really great to just share this lunch with you and have this this uh this conversation with another partner and it was so inauthentic and you know i just i wouldn't give in i wouldn't give in uh he's wearing this you know this beautiful suit and i just intentionally showed up in like board shorts and a tank top you know <laughs> i was just like all right i'm just going to go in and and just really do this um Two hours later, he's crying and hugging me. And he's telling me all about these problems he has with his brother. He's telling me that he's he's sick of living this fake corporate life. He's sick of all the pressure of trying to live up to these impossible standards of all these investors who don't give a shit about him. How he's, you know, he's developed alopecia and his hair is starting to fall out at 45. He's got, he's got beautiful hair. Um, his hair is starting to fall out because of all the stress and the lies and all of this stuff. And it all just came back. His relationship with his brother was destroyed because of his, his inauthenticity. He was just insincere. And his brother, who he had a great relationship with his whole life, that relationship yeah. was devastated because he was living this inauthentic life. And he didn't have any idea why. He's like, why do you think, why do you think I have this problem with my brother? Why has he not talked to me in five years? And he lives two blocks down the road. And my first, wow. question, my first question is, how much do you talk about your car to him? Well, I mean, probably I talked a lot. I'm like, does, does, you know, nothing wrong with having that car. But, like, you know, you've just got to be cognizant of the people around you and how you put that out, the tone of voice that you use, the, the, the way you posture yourself, the way you carry yourself. And all of those things are an outward expression of an internal mentality. It's, it's your self-image. Yeah. And if you're seeing yourself as this, you know, this big dick baller who's just, you know, making all this money and just money coming out of your pores – that comes out and that's that inauthenticity that's repulsive to halfway decent people and it's attractive to people who are just like that because they feel like you've got something that they can they can they can benefit from and you can benefit from them so when i'm talking about authenticity being magnetic when i'm talking about people being pretentious that's specifically the kind of situation that i i encounter i've encountered most in my life because of my company my career and all that stuff so Maybe maybe a, a lot different from from yours, but you get what I'm saying. Oh, <laughs> uh, I totally get what you're saying, bro. Totally get what you're saying. Not not a doubt in there. Well, we gotta we gotta keep doing what we're doing, man, and and you gotta keep doing what you're doing and keep um, helping men to come to themselves. You know, embody that that powerful uh, the powerful balanced masculine. It's such important work, dude. I'm so stoked that we got hooked up and we got to. Got to meet, and I can't wait to. When you, I, I want you to tell everybody where to find you, where to find Sacred Sons. But, um, but first, I want you to just tell me specifically, and everybody else who's listening, I guess. When's the next Sacred Sons thing? Because I, I want to go. Are you going to be at the next thing? Yeah, I'll be at the next one. We were going to be doing two retreats out here in Maui, but we postponed it with everything going on with Corona. Just feeling like we have a responsibility to the collective rather than telling everyone to come out. Our next planned event is at the end of. April up in the Pacific Northwest, right all around the Portland area. So if if things calm down and we're able to self sovereign contain ourselves with everything going on, 
that will happen. And if not, then the next one's going to be at the beginning of June, most likely. So if the end of April does not work, then the beginning of June in the San Diego area, I believe, will for sure be the next most confirmed event. So That's awesome. Um, I've got a trip to L.A. planned for early April. I'm, yeah. I'm hoping that that works, um, but that's pretty soon. And so, you know, it's possible that everything's going to be all locked down then, but we can pray for the best. Um, late April, when you guys are hoping to do your thing, I'm, I'm, that's in Portland area. Yeah. Um, hopefully everything is, is better by then. I would love to go to that one. That would be great. Uh, my girlfriend's got family up in, up in Oregon, and that would be cool. We can go. What is that, three days? Yeah, so we're going to have the Embodied Masculine Experience, which is our retreat weekend experience. And that's going to be, I think it's going to be 72 hours. So four days, three nights. And then we're also having a facilitator training. And the facilitator training is about activating men to take this medicine back to their communities to start hosting men's circles and to just bringing men together. So I want to do that. So the facilitator training is, yeah, bro, you would be a great candidate for it. You're already a beacon. You're already highlighting so much and that would be really potent for you to to do that so i'll send you i'll send you the information for sure Let, yeah let's and for talk everyone about that for sure for everybody else though yeah. yeah for everyone else you can find me personally the work that i do on instagram devin frederickson i'm also on facebook devin frederickson and my website is currently under construction because I'm going through rebranding i'm just in the process i'm going to be launching an online course called sovereign and shameless embodied sexual mastery for men. So if anything in this conversation today with Adam has been inspiring to you, please reach out to me. It's going to be a really potent conglomeration of different practices and ways to help you really be the best lover in the bedroom and thus in life to recognize that they're one and the same. And I'm not sure when, because I was originally slated for the end of April, but with everything going on, just check in to see, just the, testing the waters to see what's best. Um, so my website will be up and going again soon. And for the information of Sacred Sons, our website is sacredsons.com. You can find us on Instagram at Sacred Sons, Facebook, Sacred Sons. We have a really powerful offering called The Brothership, which is an online community for men to gather. It's a monthly membership for $33 a month. And we host weekly circles, and we also have different offerings for men. Like this morning, we had one of our brothers, Trevor Spring, who's the the physical pillar for Sacred Sons. He did a, a morning flow workout. And we're, we're putting a lot of new content up there because of the, the social distancing right now with what's going on. And so there's a lot of more infusion of offerings. I'm going to be offering some cooking classes and some sexual classes around your sexual energy, as well as some movement classes. So there's going to be a lot happening on there. It's going to be an online yoga studio is what we're calling it. But there's going to be lots of different offerings and not just yoga. So all of those are places that you can find me. You'll see me. And just please reach out if there's any questions or anything that inspired you. I'm here to support humans in any way possible. So I love it, man. Devin, thank you so much. Devin Fredrickson, everybody. Um, you can find him at all the places he said. Dude, thank you so much for coming on. It was awesome. It's been awesome. I'm looking forward to it. The first of many conversations. And uh, for everybody listening right now, if you're not subscribed to the Wayfinder podcast, 
the easiest place to find us is wayfinderpodcast.com. You can go there and click uh, any one of the links you want to any one of the platforms that you prefer. So we have iTunes, um, the podcast app, Google Play, Spotify, SoundCloud, YouTube, all those different places, Instagram. You can also support us on Patreon, uh, that same link, wayfinderpodcast.com. Go support us. We appreciate it. Um, and also give us feedback. We love reviews. Reviews are great. Whenever you go onto the podcast app or Google Play or whatever, leave a review. Even if it's super short, just be like, hey, love the show. It's super helpful. Um, we always like to have all the positive uh, feedback we can. It also helps us get up, uh, get up on the algorithms, and we get to share this content with more people so we can get more awesome people like Devin on here. Uh, we have the online store at Wokeshop.com, going to be launching soon. The Corona thing has been a minor setback with some of our vendors, but uh, you're going to be able to go there to find lots of different cool consciousness-elevating stuff, clothing and jewelry and arts and crafts, candles and sage and crystals and oils and all that fun hippie shit that has a lot of love and, uh, and, and, and uh, spirit in, in, infused into it. So uh, we'll keep you posted on that. Make sure you subscribe on your platform of choice. Like, share, and subscribe. And for today, from Adam and Devin, may the light be upon you, may peace be within you, and may you be a sun on the paths of all men. Peace out, guys. Have a good week. Aloha, everyone. Much love. <laughs>